listening to Draw Near. I want to start this week's episode by reading a passage from the Gospel of Matthew. It's in chapter 6, starting at verse 14, if you want to follow along. And it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So for this week's episode, as I'm sure you can gather from that scripture passage, Fred and I wanted to take up the subject of forgiveness, and there's no way that a short podcast episode could even possibly grasp the church's wealth of teachings on forgiveness or the great depths of God's mercy itself. Um, But, you know, I think that this topic is somewhat, somewhat of an easier topic to have head knowledge of. You know, like theologically, we can say we know this and this about forgiveness, because we see these wonderful examples of forgiveness in Jesus's life, and we have his teachings on it throughout all of the Gospels. But I think that it can be kind of difficult to respond to the call of forgiveness in our life and to actually apply what this looks like for ourselves. You know, we can know about forgiveness, but within ourselves, within our lives, what does it actually look like? And, you know, who are we supposed to forgive? So these and many more topics we're going to try and cover today. But Fred, what does forgiveness mean to you? Well, I think it means ultimately the first thing that comes to mind, it's living like Jesus. It's living Christ's life. It's living his example. I think it's important to point out that scripture that you begin with. That is what Jesus said immediately after giving the disciples the Our Father prayer. He says that line, and in Hebrew thought of the time, They didn't have words of emphasis like very and things like that, Mm -hmm. like we would. They would just say something twice. So it's interesting that when you think about what we pray in the Our Father, we pray, forgive us our trespasses, and then we come to that really problematic word, as, Mm -hmm. the most seemingly insignificant word in that whole petition. I think we kind of gloss over it too, Fred, because I know like when we when we would say what stands out to you, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mm-hmm. Our mind does not immediately go to that center word. Right. As. Yeah. Yeah. When I ask people that question, because I, I do a talk on the Our Father pretty regularly, almost never does anyone point at that word as. But that's the yeah. thing that really stands out because we're saying with that petition, we're saying with the same measure, I forgive others, Lord, forgive me. And with Jesus sort of putting the bookend on the Our Father, sort of punctuating the sentence of that prayer with that line, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. It's almost as if the Lord is saying, actually it is as if the Lord is saying, in case you missed it the first time, Mm -hmm, let me reiterate how important this this forgiveness thing is. This word as. Yeah, Yeah, and and that's the thing. we, We pray these prayers often. And I think we take them for granted. And I think one of the areas in our lives where we walk with Christ, we strive to follow him, but we often stumble on this forgiveness thing. And I think it can look uh, many different ways. Because I think our minds automatically go toward the huge things. But oftentimes I think it's the little things that we need to forgive Mm -hmm. um, those around us that we stumble over the most and that hinder us from living like Christ and being fully conformed to his image. And that that's the reality here is to forgive is to be like Jesus. To forgive is to follow his example of love and mercy. And that's what we're called to. We're called to imitate Christ. Yeah, you mentioned, Fred, that it's hard to forgive those big things. And I know we're going to talk about this. We're going to touch on, 
you know, how to forgive those who have wronged us, especially in those bigger ways when we know and recognize that it's harder. But I think it's even more common to hold on to feelings of unforgiveness and maybe, dare I say, pettiness in the smaller things. And I can even even recognize this in my own life. And maybe you can too in friendships or in marriage and in relationships. Just small stuff like, you know, you'll get over an argument and then two weeks later it's like you bring up that same thing that happened two weeks ago and it's like wait a second did we get over this did we forgive each other or was i like writing it in my ledger for later (laughs) yeah yeah and kara i've no i knew a married couple that every time they argued um one of them would pull out and this is no joke um, I'm going to call it a resume of offenses. Oh, no. 10-point uh, font, narrow margins, front oh. and back, single space. And they would review that whole resume of offenses every time they were upset about anything. It didn't matter if any of those things were related. Um, the whole marriage I- idea of, you know, deal with one issue at a time, that was completely out the window because it would be 20 years ago you did this and five years ago you did this and yesterday, you, you know, all these and that's just not healthy. And that's an extreme example, but I think you're right because I think you don't have to look far. You look on our social media feeds, how divided we are as a country, how divided we are as a people. You can see this, this life of unforgiveness. It turns into bitterness, and we we become so unforgiving that we begin to normalize that dysfunction, and we really do become bitter, and we, we take that bitterness out on our neighbors. And it's, it's hard to love our neighbors if we're, we're not even giving them the benefit of the doubt most of the time. But that's because we are in the habit of being unforgiving toward those. And how do we love those? How do we love our neighbor as ourself if we're so unforgiving? Well, and Jesus says, too, he says, you say, love your neighbor. I say, love your enemy. And I think, honestly, I think it's going to be impossible for us to live up to what Jesus says in loving our enemy if we aren't even actively trying to love our neighbor. Even in that sense, like our spouse, I mean, that's that's as neighborly as you get. You know, you're mm-hmm. living together. So even if we can't find find it in our heart to let go of those small things, um, or or a big thing. Maybe it's your spouse or a family member or somebody who has wronged you. If we can't, you know, with the, the help of the Lord, forgive them, how can we accomplish what Jesus actually calls us to, which is to love our enemies right. and, those, and those who wrong us? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of those marriage examples really apply to everyday life. I think of when my wife and I got married, a couple, I want to say they had been married 50 years. And... Their advice to us, his advice in particular, was you can be right or you can be happy. Uh, <laughs> and so I've always <laughs> I've always applied that, but there's a lot of truth to that you can apply to our relationships and everyday world. But the thing that really stood out to me was the scripture passage that, you know, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And what Paul is getting at there first is you can be angry and still not sin. But secondly, don't let the sun get on, go down on your wrath. What he's getting at is kind of that don't go to bed angry idea. Yeah. But what Paul is pointing out there is that if we're not quick to forgive, that unforgiveness turns into bitterness. It turns, it festers, and it becomes toxic. And it really, 
is a cancer on our relationships, not just with others, but also with God. Yeah, and as you're talking and as we're discussing this, there's a word that's standing out in my mind, and that's pride. And I think there's a very real sense of pride when we can't bring ourselves to forgive. I think it takes a level of humility to admit I am a prideful person. Not necessarily speaking of myself, just in general for some. <laughs> I, I am very humble. Yeah. <laughs> you're, proud, I, you're proud of your humility. That's, it, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> I think in general, it takes a person, a level of humility to recognize areas in which they are prideful. And so to acknowledge that, you know, it might be pride that's keeping me from admitting I'm wrong or from offering up forgiveness to another person for something that they have done. And I even, we're talking about marriage. I even saw this this weekend with my husband and I, there was just, for whatever reason, there was just this one moment where like what he said I took wrong, what I said he took wrong, and it just started this unnecessary bickering. And like there was just passive aggressive silence for a couple of minutes. And then he came back upstairs and was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) So I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know what that was. And we like made up in that moment and just letting go of that. I have to be right. I have to like show you that I'm right and say, I told you so in this and just let it go. Yeah. That, that really is the key. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about is and scripture says it too. be quick to forgive, be quick to forgive. And when we look at the example of Christ as well, Kara, and, and you've mentioned this too. I don't remember what podcasts one of the episodes we talked about this like every time we talk about unforgiveness someone will say but you don't know what I've been through and certainly that's true but when we think of who's been offended who's experienced hurt who more than Christ has experienced greater hurt nobody nobody if you think about Jesus experienced the trauma of his passion and his death but also the full weight of all of our sins all the sins of humanity for all times were upon Jesus Nobody has suffered more than Christ. And yet from the cross, while they are nailing his hands into that cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. And, Kara, it's interesting that you point out pride being at the core here. Yeah. Because what are, the, what are the Pharisees and some of the other leaders of the time doing to Jesus while he's on the cross? They're mocking him, right. saying, if you really are the Son of God, then come down from that cross. And certainly... Christ could have done that. He could have given into what is so base in human nature that we all experience, and that is revenge, right? He could have said, oh, do you know who I am? Actually, I am the Son of God. And But what did he do? He humbled himself, and he took that for us. You know, He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, and he chooses to forgive in that moment. And I think we can learn a lot from that because we see Jesus, he gives that commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Think about that for, the mo- for a moment. What does that look like? Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Think about the cross, because that's what it looks like. Who is responsible for the death of Christ? I am. Kara, you are. Every one of you listening, we're all responsible by virtue of our sins for the death of Christ on the cross. Every lash of it in the scourging, we have responsibility for. And yet, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. So he, in saying, love one another as I have loved you, he's going one step beyond that idea of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He's going one step beyond. He's saying, love your enemies. He is saying, love those who persecute you. You know, so if, if we talk about 
being like Jesus, being conformed to him, what does that look like? It looks like mercy. It looks like forgiveness. Love one another as I have loved you. We have to be willing to forgive those who crucify us. We have to be willing to forgive those who scourge us, those that crown us with thorns. We need to be willing to forgive them. Well, and when he says that, forgive them for they know not what they do, it's obviously in that moment, it's speaking to those who are crucifying him. Mm -hmm. But I think it also applies to us because in that moment, Jesus knew throughout all of time how he would be welcomed or Mm -hmm. how he would be ignored. And so he saw throughout all of time empty churches. He saw indifference to the tabernacle and the Eucharist. He saw all of this in his mercy when he says forgive them. That's on us today too because the effect and the mercy of the cross, they flow backwards in time and they flow forwards in time. So on the cross he says this and he's giving us his mercy because mm-hmm. we don't know sometimes what we're doing to Jesus and right. how we're offending him. Relating it to marriage, too. When you're offended, when you're hurt, being open to talking about that and, and acknowledging that point there, that I know you love me, I know you didn't mean to hurt me, but when you did this, it made me feel like that. So that's a path toward reconciliation. That's a path toward healing. The key to realize here is that we are called to be people of forgiveness. We are called to be people of mercy. It's right there in Our Father. In the Our Father, Jesus again reminds us, just as Kara started, we see Luke 6.36, be merciful, even as your heavenly Father is merciful. Kara, we see it especially in the example of the parable of the unforgiving servant yeah, who is forgiven. I think if I remember the scripture passage, right, it's Matthew 18 for those who want to look it up. He owes a debt to his master that's like the equivalent of 40 years Mm -hmm. of wages. And uh, he's forgiven of that debt. And there's another servant who owes him the equivalent of one day. Mm -hmm. And he will not forgive the debt. And what happens to him, he ends up in prison, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that gets to the heart of what happens to us when we become unforgiving people. I know you had some examples too, Kara. Well, it gets to the heart of uh, when we say, forgive us as we forgive you know he was forgiven this huge debt and then in turn he did not forgive his servant who was in debt to him Uh, so then he was the forgiveness that he was given was kind of taken back and then he was put into debt prison so yeah Mm -hmm. it really shows what jesus means in the our father in that small word as and that what we started with in six fourteen. but i really do want to get into some examples in scripture fred because i think there are so many beautiful examples um, mm-hmm. with Jesus, with his teachings, and with some of the saints and some of the apostles. But mm-hmm. before we do, I want to talk about really what is necessary to live out this life open to forgiveness, because it starts with our hearts. Hebrews says, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. And when we have feelings of unforgiveness or unwilling to forgive, I think it's because we have hardened hearts. Mm -hmm. And this is honestly an issue throughout all of scripture. We see hardened hearts. We see this with Pharaoh in the Exodus account where they go through the plagues. And I think it's after almost all of the plagues. It's like, and Pharaoh hardened his heart and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then in uh, the gospel of Matthew, People are challenging Jesus on the teachings of marriage. And Jesus goes, Moses allowed that because of your hardness of heart. So he's Mm -hmm. talking to his own people. And when he calls them hardened of heart, it's like, 
oh, we're like Pharaoh from Exodus. That's what he's trying to point out. Mm -hmm. And in Jeremiah 31, it says, I will place a new law on your heart. So he's pointing out, y'all have a heart problem, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to make it better. And by placing this new law on your heart, I will make it better. And what is that new law? That new law comes to us in Jesus, and it comes to us in the Holy Spirit and in grace. And so going back to humility, I think we have to recognize, I cannot forgive. I cannot forgive. But in humility, I recognize that with God, I can forgive. And it's only with this new heart that I receive through grace, that I receive through the Holy Spirit, that I am even able to forgive. And one of the prayers that Fred and I, we often like to pray, it says, blood of Christ without which there is no forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Without Christ, there is no forgiveness of ourselves, of this mercy we receive on the cross, but even within our neighbor, from myself to another person, from you to your friend, from you to your enemy. We cannot do this without Jesus. Yeah, yeah. it's Catechism 2863, Kara. God's mercy can pe- penetrate our hearts only if we have learned to forgive our enemies with the example and help of Christ. It goes on to say, it's not because God chooses not to forgive us. Rather, it's that we choose to close our hearts, just as you've said, to his mercy because we are unwilling to forgive. We have to recognize, we see it right here in Christ's own teaching, that forgiveness is his will. Going back to our Father again, we pray thy will be done, right? What is his will? In this case, in in this particular subject, we're talking about forgiveness. That's his will. So when we pray for the strength to do his will, so I'm praying, Lord, help me to forgive. And we set our heart down the path to do that will. Lord, I recognize I need to forgive. I want to forgive. Help me to want to forgive. I want to do your will. When we ask those things, we can be sure that he will send the grace and help we need to do that because it's his will. And we're turning our heart toward God. We're trying to do his will, to forgive. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where it starts. Um, just a little practical tip break. You know I, know, I know many things in life can be hard. And I know those of you listening may already possibly be thinking that you don't know what I've been through. And that's certainly true. I don't, but I do know what I've been through, mm-hmm. right? And, and I know there are many things in my life that I've been very difficult to forgive, but it doesn't excuse me from doing the will of God, which is to forgive, because that forgiveness is for my own good. Right. You know, to, to refuse to forgive is to sort of cage yourself in, to imprison yourself in a lot of ways. It's a terrible form of revenge, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, because it's only harming us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're holding on to that anger. <laughs> But it's only harming us. So it's like drinking poison, but expecting the, only, the other person to get sick. And eternity is on the line here. And we have yeah. to be mindful of that. Yeah. So if this is something that you have a hard time with, or as we're saying this, you know, you're struggling or a certain person or a certain situation is coming to your mind, start praying for yourself, but also start praying for this other person. So when I say pray for yourself, pray for a softened heart. Um, pray that, you know, uh, when we hear the Lord's voice, and that's what we should be doing all throughout the day, every day, that we would not have a hardened heart towards God and towards others. But start praying for that person who you have a hard time forgiving or who has wronged you. Um, As we start including somebody in our prayers, it's showing that our heart is changing towards them. And I can speak firsthand to this. I had a very difficult situation in my life, and my spiritual director actually asked me to spend a month praying for this person. 
And I can tell you that first two weeks, maybe even three weeks, <laughs> it was really hard. Um, the prayers were probably lacking in authenticity and in love. But by the end of that month, it was a complete 180. And it was like I was actually open and ready and willing to start the process of forgiveness for that situation mm -hmm. because I had spent such a long time giving them over to God. Mm -hmm. And in that, even in those three really difficult weeks, God was changing my heart to that person and he was softening my heart. So if this is something that you struggle with or if you have been through this really difficult situation, start praying to God to soften your heart and start praying for this person because in praying for that person, even if it starts really, really hard, right. God's going to work in that. And Kara, I think one of the things that stands out to me as, as you're saying that is we're all in need of God's grace. We're all in need of God's mercy. And in a very real way, extending forgiveness to others is choosing to forgive them as Christ has forgiven us, just as we pray in the scripture in the Our Father. So it's kind of flipping that the other way. But for the grace of God, so go, so go I. And it's recognizing that we need to forgive also from that perspective. The Beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they, oh, shall, ob <laughs> for they shall obtain mercy. Exactly. Again, right before the Our Father, uh, it's, it's like Christ kept reminding them of what mm -hmm. that looks like. And Kara, I know you, you have a, a great part of one of the talks you give where you where you, you put the Our Father in context of what the those listening to Jesus, what their experience would have been, and I think that's helpful. Yeah, um, so I put the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, actually, um, the Our Father follows along as well, but especially when Jesus is saying, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure of heart, blessed are the peacemakers, because the people that Jesus is talking to, they are people who have, like, been waiting for this Messiah to come in and their mindset of the Messiah is somebody who's going to come and free them from the oppression of Rome. And Jesus is really kind of appealing to his audience because he starts with, blessed are the pure of heart, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. And he goes through and, and his audience is like, that's me, that's me. Huh. And then you just see this shift and he starts, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure of heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And this would really catch their attention for people who are awaiting this Messiah who's going to come in and, like, you know, start war with Rome, not start mm -hmm. peace and overthrow them and get their land back. And so this would really, um, really hit them, especially because these are people who it's very hard for them to show mercy to mm -hmm. those who have done wrong to them. Because for us, it's like those who have done wrong to us, it may be a very difficult situation and they and you may have been wronged very heavily. But in some situations, especially those petty things we were talking about, it's just small stuff. But for the people that Jesus is talking to, it's like the Roman soldiers who have driven us out of our home and taken our land. Mm -hmm. The centurions who have come and raped our wives or killed our brothers. So the, these are very true enemies in their hearts. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. And again, he says, I say, love your enemies. These are their enemies. And mm -hmm. Jesus is saying, you love them and you forgive them. So this is such a, a hard teaching, but this is what Jesus calls us to. I absolutely love, yeah. love the Sermon on the Mount because yep. there's so much there. And honestly, the catechism tells us the Sermon on the Mount 
is the heart of Jesus's teachings. So if you are not familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, go to Matthew 5 through 7. Read this because there are so many books we could sit here and recommend on like spirituality and holiness and morality and all this other stuff. But like the best reference is scripture. Mm -hmm. And this is the heart of Jesus's teaching. Yeah. You know, when we hold on to that unforgiveness, it, it, it's hard for us to extend fraternal charity and love toward our neighbors and we can be unforgiving toward even those who think differently than us because we've allowed that to become a lifestyle. So when those big things do come along, Kara, those bigger offenses, it's even harder. In some ways, I think forgiveness, the life of forgiveness and mercy is something we have to, to grow in. And unforgiveness, forgiveness, it's not so much about, really it isn't at all, about what the other person has done. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it's really only about our response to it. Okay, so I want to talk about um, some examples in scripture that we can look to. And one that I absolutely love. There are so many. We have Jesus. We have um, Peter and Jesus. We have the Sermon on the Mount, which you've talked about. We have the Prodigal Son. We have the Unforgiving Servant. We have a lot that we can turn to. But one that I really like is in Acts. And we have St. Stephen, and he is being stoned. Okay, and in this passage, it shows that Saul, who becomes St. Paul, it shows that people are laying their garments in front of Saul. And if you don't know, this was like uh, to show that he had this kind of authority or oversight over this situation. So it can be asserted that Saul had something to do with the stoning of St. Stephen. At the moment of St. Stephen's death, he prays for those who are stoning him. Just like Jesus does for those who are crucifying him. He prays for those who are responsible for his death. And that's Saul. So with St. Stephen's last breath, he's praying for Saul. And then I have to believe that the prayers of a martyr would bring about conversion. Okay, so Saul becomes St. Paul, and he has this great conversion to Christianity and belief in Jesus, uh, whereas, a, whereas before he was persecuting Christians who believed in Jesus. And so I just love this, like this example and this reflection of Jesus, because just like Jesus, he's, he's forgiving in the moment of his death, those who are killing him. Right. I love that. Yeah. St. Lawrence, a very similar example. You know, they're literally cooking him on a griddle. Turn yeah. me over, I'm done on this side. But, you know, <laughs> his, his dying words are essentially the same words. And what does it do? That witness of God's love and mercy, that witness of the example of Christ, despite what was done, itself brought them into many conversions. And, and that's kind of the point thy kingdom come thy will be done it looks like love and mercy when we're willing to forgive we are being better witnesses for christ yeah i don't think it can go without saying that as we're talking about forgiveness of others and forgiveness of those who have wronged us we can't forget to talk about forgiveness of ourselves and i mentioned in scripture this example of peter and jesus so obviously at the end when Jesus is in his passion narrative, I know I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, but we have Peter's denial of Jesus three times, and then Jesus looks at Peter, and then Peter goes away sorrowful. It's not because Jesus' look is one of condemnation and one of, I told you so, you were going to deny me, but rather it's one of love and it's one of forgiveness for his child. And I, I just think that's such a beautiful example of Jesus' forgiveness. But we're, when we're talking about forgiveness of ourselves, Peter leaves. He's not at his passion because he's sorrowful, because, you know, he's, he's upset with himself, I'm sure, for denying Jesus. Well, 
Peter becomes our first pope, and he takes on this role that Jesus gives him in Matthew 16. And so at some point, Peter forgives himself for what he has done, and he leads the church. And so I think he is a wonderful example of accepting the mercy of Jesus because he sees the mercy of Jesus and experiences it in that look from Mm -hmm. Jesus. And he comes back and he is stronger for it and better for it. And he forgives himself. So looking at Peter as an example to forgive ourselves, because I know there are moments in my life where, you know, I have done something and then it's immediate shame. And then you go to confession And, you know, you feel better, but you still remember your sin and Mm -hmm. you're still reminded of your sin. And let me tell you, that is one of the greatest weapons of the devil to tell you that you are no better than your sin or to constantly Mm -hmm. be reminding you of something that you did, even though you have been forgiven, even though you have received this abounding mercy from Jesus to constantly be reminded of something that you did. Yeah. Kara, I still that still happens with me. I, I remember when I had. It was, in every way, a radical conversion. And I remember in those first few months, I literally called or, you know, messaged or emailed, however I could get a hold of people, every person I could think of that I'd ever wronged in any way, and I apologized to them, and I and I told them why I was doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and oftentimes the response I got was, oh, I wasn't even upset by it. I don't even know. It. You know, mm-hmm. there was that. Yeah. So sometimes it was I thought I was hurting them. Other times the, they, the response was met with, with gratitude and and they were um, encouraged by my reasoning for apologizing to them Mm -hmm. and you know of course since I've gone to confession over things like that but even still there are moments when I'm just like I feel bad for things that that I did when I did not know any better and Kara I think you're absolutely right because we are not the sum of our weakness and failures we are the sum of the father's love for us that's John Paul II Mm -hmm. I'll say it again because it bears repeating you are not the sum of your weakness and failures. You are the sum of the Father's love for you. And we have to remember that. Peter was sorrowful because he loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Go and feed my lambs. The Lord has something for you to do. He's trying to work wonders. He's trying to work in your life. And when we hold on to unforgiveness, even if that unforgiveness is toward ourselves, we are cutting ourselves off in a lot of ways from God's grace working in our lives. We're, we're hindering what he's trying to do in and through us. So it's important that we not only be willing to extend forgiveness toward others, uh, but also ourselves. Yeah, so don't fall into the lies of Satan. I know one, of, one thing that I always tell myself when I recognize that you know Satan's trying to pull me back into shame of a sin that I know I've already been forgiven for, I just stop and I say, I thank God I'm not who I used to be. Mm-hmm. Because I think we all have those moments where if we were where we are now in our relationship with the Lord, we would never have done what we did, you know? So we, we right. just give glory to God that we are not who we used to be and let the invisible reality of the sacrament of reconciliation not just be with us sacramentally, but sink into our hearts and soften our hearts, just like what Hebrews said. If today you hear his mm-hmm. voice, harden not your hearts. Soft, let the grace of God soften your heart. Yeah. And so you may be listening and thinking, well, how do I know that I need to to forgive? And I think I've heard that question as well, Kara. How do I know that I need to forgive? <laughs> well, first Jesus says it, but we've already established that for most of this episode. But I think if you find yourself rehearsing gotcha speeches 
to somebody that's offended you. Um, and, and then I'm going to say this and then I'm going to say, and those conversations never happen. But I think we've all had those moments where we're like, and then I'm going to say this. And, um, and this is why we, we have, in, we yeah, have yeah. conversations with ourselves in our head and this is why right. I'm right. right. And this person's right. wrong. <laughs> yeah. You need to forgive that person. Right. If, if you're um, entertaining that at any point, mm-hmm. thoughts of getting even or, or getting what's someone getting what's coming to them. Kara mentioned praying for someone who's hurt you or offended you in some way. Mm-hmm. I think that's really key. I, I really do, because that is what softens your heart. I think also if you take delight in their misfortune yeah, in any way, you need God's help. You need God's grace to help you forgive that person because we should never take delight um, when others fall. Yeah. Um, if you find yourself unable to sleep thinking about a particular offense, you need forgiveness. You need healing. But again, I think <laughs> pray for those that have offended you. Recognize that God's calling you to forgive, that we are required to forgive. And so I know it's hard. Believe me, I know it's hard. And Kara, she knows it's hard as well. We both do. But it doesn't excuse us um, from the call to forgive. Jesus, in his vi- in a vision to St. Faustina, you find it um, in her diary. He even says that you are not to excuse yourself from extending mercy and forgiveness to others. Mm-hmm. I think truly ask yourself with a humble heart. Think about that person you, who you have a hard time forgiving and ask yourself, do I love them? Even if they wronged you, do I mm-hmm. love them? Because to love someone is to will the good for that person and to want to see them in heaven. So do I love them? Do I want to see them in heaven? And if the answer is, I don't know, or if the answer is no, then pray to God to help you forgive that person. Yeah, exactly. Because to love the way Christ calls us to love, to love in the way we're supposed to, is ultimately to will, to long for, to hope that all men would be saved. Mm -hmm. And if we're doing anything other than that, then we're not living the will of God the way we should be. Mm-hmm. And so we do. We have to recognize, Lord, I need to forgive. Help me to forgive. And maybe you don't feel like you want to forgive yet, but at least recognize that you need to want to want to forgive, <laughs> if that makes sense. And, and ask God, for give him, just allow, even if you just crack that door open a little bit to his grace, Lord, help me to want to want to forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, Because that's what I did, and that was pretty much my exact prayer. You know, sometimes I still have to remember that every day. And and so it starts there. I think a really good uh, spiritual tip, if you are interested, I really like Lexio Divina. So I mentioned the story of the prodigal son. I would encourage you guys to do a Lexio Divina of the scripture passage of the prodigal son. But here is what I want to give you as a tip. Because so often when we read that story, we focus on the prodigal son and we focus on the father. But if you are unsure if you have forgiven somebody or if you are willing to forgive somebody, place yourself in this in the place of the second son. Because I love the end of the scripture passage where the second son is out of the party with his dad and he's, you know, upset. Like, why are you welcoming back? I've been with you this whole time. And the passage ends without resolving the second son. So we don't know how he responds to his dad's words. Like, he was lost, but now he's found. We don't know how the second son responds to that. And I think, I think scripture leaves it open for us to be like, 
Was he angry? Did he stay outside Mm -hmm. of the celebration? Or did he celebrate with his father at the return of this lost son? Place yourself in that situation in an experience of Lexio Divina, which is just quiet prayer with scripture, and relate to the second son. And who are you? At the end of that passage, are you somebody who's angry if this person who you might not yet forgive has received the mercy of God? And if you're Mm -hmm. angry, then pray to want to forgive them. Or do you Mm -hmm. celebrate with that person and with God, the merciful Father? Because at that point, that is reaching that stage of love and wanting to see them in heaven. If we are able to, even though they have wronged us greatly, to celebrate when they receive the mercy of God, to celebrate when they have this conversion, and to celebrate at the possibility of seeing them in heaven. Amen. Kara, before we close, I think it's important to touch on what does it mean to forgive and what does it not mean to forgive? Okay, yeah. Because I think sometimes we're not real clear on that. Forgiveness isn't saying what someone has done is okay. It's not tolerating or excusing their behavior. Um, You mentioned this in passing earlier. It doesn't mean that we have to forget. Right. Uh, Oftentimes it's impossible to forget. Neither does it mean that you know, the relationship has to be fully restored. Their trust is something that has to be earned. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, that, that trust can be so broken that it would be impossible for it to, to be restored. So we have to keep that in mind, too, that there are lines that can be crossed when people hurt us, that to open the doors back up to being back in relationship as it was before actually could jeopardize our own well-being. So we have to be mindful of that. There's a difference between forgiveness and pretending something didn't happen. So it doesn't mean there's no boundaries, and it doesn't mean that we uh, deny restitution, if you will. We don't deny justice or consequences or order. You know, we see the example of John Paul II comes to mind. You know, the, the man that shot shot him was still in prison even after John Paul II visited him and forgave him, you know, and that's because there's justice is a thing, and we, we acknowledge that, but forgiveness is not the same thing. Well, and we see that even with the sacrament of confession. We receive God's mercy, and God forgives us, but we still have to make reparation out of justice for what we've done. So we have penance, and we have temporal punishment. Right. And again, I, I just want to go back to that point of it doesn't mean forgetting, because I think I've known people that forgiveness means allowing myself to be continually treated like a doormat, and that's not what God has called you to do. Uh, that's not what forgiveness looks like. So be mindful of that as well. But when we say so, it's not forgetting, that doesn't mean keeping a ledger and bringing it back up 20 years right, later. Right, exactly. And that is a key distinction yeah. there. Uh, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. So what does it mean? What does it mean to forgive? Ultimately, it, it's it's releasing others from the pain they've caused us. It's giving up the right to revenge. Yeah. By the way, it's not something you have a right to anyway. Um, But it's no longer holding the past against those who have hurt us. It's choosing to forgive them as Christ has forgiven us. And I think also it's embracing the idea that if that person came to us, and maybe this is a question for your reflection, building on what Kara said. If that person that you're probably thinking about by listening to this episode, if that person came to you in 10 minutes (laughs) and said, I'm very sorry for what I've done, will you forgive me? What would be your response? What would be your response? If we are unwilling to say yes to that, then we need forgiveness. Fred, can you say 
Because I know, you know, the father would absolutely say yes. We come to him and he showers us with mercy. But could you say, I will forgive you? You know, so it's something mm. that you recognize that your heart is not quite there yet. Just like we've been saying, right. pray to want to forgive them. If they ask you, yep. can you forgive me? Say, I will forgive you because you know that that's something you need to work on. Yeah, I think you're right, Kara. And I think that's fair to acknowledge that you appreciate them coming to you, but be honest about your feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, that thank you, but this is going to take time, but I, I will do my best with God's help to forgive you. Yeah. And again, once again, it doesn't mean that re- that relationship is going to be completely restored, if ever. But in a way, I care. I think that gives God's grace even more room to work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not turning them away, not refusing them. Yeah. So I want to leave all of you with this. St. Therese, as many of you, I'm sure, know from all of our past podcasts, she's one of our favorite saints. And she recognized that when she sinned, God came all the more abundantly to shower mercy upon her. And I think that goes back to forgiving ourselves of our own sins. Because when we sin, God showers his mercy upon us all the more. And Matthew 9, 13 says that he came not for the righteous, but for sinners. And so I want to leave you with this because we receive forgiveness from the merciful heart of Jesus in the confessional. But it's Jesus himself forgiving our sins and pouring grace out upon us. And that grace, the Holy Spirit, empowers us to forgive others as we should. So it starts with the heart of Jesus and it flows into our heart. And from there, forgiveness can flow from our heart too. 